hello. I feel like I haven't been here in a minute with Disney World, my clients flying in. So I'm excited for the next two weeks to be doing M's Gems for November. But yeah, any questions that you guys have, I am here. Okay, so first question is, how many emails do you send during Black Friday? So I am not doing Black Friday. I'm doing my B-Day bash for the whole month of November, which took place of Black Friday because I just wanted to make it like, this is my birthday month. Yeah, just like making a big deal out of it. I also just am like so excited. Like it's a big birthday too, right? Like, so I turned 30. So for me, it was still very much set up the same way Black Friday would have been. There's a low ticket offer, kind of mid ticket, high ticket, and then there's actually gonna be a big sale at the end, which is really cool. And I haven't done one this big in a really long time. So how I do it, Elodie, and this I feel like would be true for you, if you kind of followed the strategy, I believe that you were in the Black Friday Masterclass that was last year that I hosted. I obviously didn't feel right hosting it this year because I'm not doing Black Friday and it's like kind of like contradictory a little bit to what I'm doing, but you have probably a low, mid, and high ticket offer, I think. I don't know if you do, but you said it'll be on the 24th till the 27th. So I definitely would have an email go out like the first day that you drop your offers or offer. Okay, it sounds like you're like doing the strategy. So actually, I would like three days before you drop the offers. So starting on the 21st, Elodi, and I would actually start writing these now just so that it'll like save you time. I would do like client case study emails. This worked really, really well when I started sending them out before I actually dropped the offer. So it was like three different client case studies that had to do with like what I was selling and announcing. I didn't do it for my B-Day bash. I did it for my last micro offer and that worked really well. So I would just choose like out of the offers that you're selling, are there any like client stories, client case studies, even if you put out two really strong ones that you have. And then at the end of the email, just basically saying like, stay tuned for, you know, my Black Friday offers. You also though, Elodi could on your stories today, even going into the weekend, maybe it ends on Monday is that you have a wait list for people that want first dibs on your Black Friday offers. So this is also cool, like my clients do this a lot. I did it for my B-Day bash offers. Like if you join the wait list, you got first dibs on like everything I was selling. You got to even like move forward before anybody else. And like some of my Black Friday offers, like I do have a capacity for them. Like revolutionize your revenue, you know, my mastermind that's like being completely rebranded and, and all these things. And then the sale that I'm doing next week. So it was an opportunity for them to actually buy those things or secure their spot early before I even put them on my stories. So you would promo a wait list. Obviously it would be a link to like a Google form or something. And then I would say two days before you announce your offers. So like on the 22nd, I would email those people, literally one big fat email that's like, you know, I was thinking about my Black Friday offers. This is what I was considering you know, this is what made me think of these offers, like however you want to intro that, and then literally breaking down each offer and giving them an opportunity to hop on it before anybody else. And then like literally saying like the offers will be publicly announced on the 24th. I want to give you guys first dibs to like secure your spot because some of these offers, you know, have the capacity to them. And I'm looking for like quality and not quantity. 
something like that, right? Just so they can know like why it's like so special. So good. So good. You're excited. So then like when you announce the offers, so you have like client case studies going out to your entire list. Then during that time, you're promoting this wait list till the end of the weekend. Those people are opting in. Then on the 22nd, you literally send out the email to the wait list people. On the 24th, though, you put out your first email to like everyone. And this is just where if you're putting them all out at once, this is where obviously you're like introing like this is just where like I actually prefer dropping one offer week by week. I know that like now you're just doing it during the Black Friday time frame, which is fine. I would just like really call out a huge problem that you see like somebody who is a good fit for multiple of these offers or at least one of these offers like what is a problem that you know that they're buying into believing like subscribing to that's getting in the way of their results i would really call that out in the email and then say like it's time to like you know shift your belief around this it's time to blah 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 and then you intro the offers and then the rest of the emails like listing all of them out with like links to grab them or apply or whatever the call to action is I would say like two days later, I would maybe share some like behind the scenes of each offer. Like this is where I might say like a client case study or something like a client quote or a client result for like each offer. So like where they were when they came to you, what shifted or what needed to be shifted. And then obviously like that offer that you're selling being like a vehicle for those shifts that they made and then obviously what happened and then like a call to action underneath each like client story and like the branding for that offer i think the next day considering it's like just for three days it's technically like the last day so this is just where i would really call out a problem again and i would make sure that in this email you're really breaking down how this offer is going to work for them what they're going to be learning inside like why exactly would they need this offer like this time of year like that's something that you could call out because that obviously drives urgency versus if they just think like oh well i'm not ready i'm just going to join it when i am ready or some shit. like it's like you calling out why they need this offer right now versus any other time of year like how is it going to be a really powerful tool for them and then obviously reminding them like this is the last day to hop on these offers that's what i would do i mean i know that a lot more people like pump out email like they just like super over the top with black friday emails i never like saw a lot of growth with that like when i put out incessant emails <laughs> first of all i'm annoyed when people do that to me it's not that I'm in like respect for selling your shit, but also like, I feel like it's about quality with email and not quantity. So yeah, I just found when they're spaced out like that, especially with this time frame, that's what I would probably do. But you also know, Elodie, like the majority of the people in your audience, what type of buyer they are. So if you were to stick to those emails, it's really covering like the polarized buyer, the analyzer buyer and the polarized buyer again. I would say also like you could throw in an email if you want and the results driven buyer, right? When you put out the case studies, like 
leading up to when you even drop it. You could throw in an extra email that's like really speaking to the emotional buyer and tells like your story with each thing, like what they're going to learn or what they're going to get inside of each offer is like really supported you in your business. You can always do that. If you feel like there are like lately or the people that have bought from you are very much emotional buyers, like you can always throw that in, but that's what I would do. So good. Hope that was helpful. I know you're excited now, which is good. Of course. Does anybody else have any questions? I'm excited for you, Elodie. I'm like going to be watching as you drop the offers. No pressure or anything. I just like literally love seeing after I give advice what ends up happening. Will you continue to offer a lot of live programs in 2024? Will something change? Just curious. Yeah, for sure. I would say I'm probably per quarter always going to have like some kind of mini mind or like mini group program that I'm like relaunching, coming out with. That's what I have laid out for myself. And then I really want to drive a lot of attention to like my long-term offers like once a quarter. Like sometimes it'll be like I'm selling a live group program, but then simultaneously I'm giving a shit ton of screen time to like my mastermind or I'm selling a mini mind. And at the same time, I'm getting a lot of screen time to like the empire membership or something. Like, I just feel like I will always be selling multiple things at once. I feel like there have been times though, I'm not going to lie this past year where, you know, the entire month I was just solely focused on the membership and it actually was a nice break from like selling multiple things at once. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The month that I did this, somebody signed up for the membership like every day because I just went all in on only talking about that because I was hosting a membership only like workshop. So it made sense. But like that was kind of like a nice break to have. I might do that like twice going into 2024. But right now there's like a skeleton outline of like what I'm going to be coming out with when. And I just think like this is what I really love working out with my clients is like how can we just make sure that like each quarter is like its own little mini client journey. Like when you sell something low ticket that's like your main live offer, the very next month it would make sense that all these new people that came in from this low ticket thing that you go up to the next like price point level at least. Like so this is where like selling something that's higher ticket would make sense for that following month. And then like, you know, the people that couldn't join that, like the following month, maybe something like mid ticket. Right. So that's just what I'm keeping in mind, making sure that I'm driving a lot of attention per quarter to like the empire revolutionize your revenue. And now it's called the empowered CEO mastermind which is exciting. You guys just got a sneak peek of that, which is really exciting. There's new logistics for my big mastermind. There's a new branding. Like it's so good. So yeah, I would say at least per quarter, not every quarter that I have laid out right now, but like at least a mini mind and a mini group program, if not more of them. But a lot of offers you guys see me bring back. Like it's not like it's always something new all the time. I actually recommend that you don't do that. Um, but I think sometimes it makes sense. Like I even saw one of my mentors this year. She only really relaunched. It was like 
I think two or three of her signature offers this past year, like mini micro live offers. And then the rest of them were brand new ones. So I just think it's as long as you do have a couple of them that like you keep bringing back that people start to like remember, like know you for. In terms of brand awareness, I think that that's really important. And having signature micro offers is really important. I think people have the misconception that they always need to be new and they definitely don't. Because as you like come out with the first round of this like live offer, the six months from that point or seven months, eight months, which is usually around the time frame I would bring it back, you learn new things, you get better at them, you have like things you want to add to what you taught the last time because you're constantly evolving and growing. So that's how I look at it. Anyone else have any questions? That was a good one. Of course, of course. I'm excited for you. So how do you decide the vibe of your mastermind? Oof. Such a good question and so appropriate. So my mastermind has evolved and changed in so many ways. I feel like, like for me, the first year I came out with my mastermind, it was such a learning experience because I got rid of my beginner group program and was stepping into micro offers and stuff. So by the time the mastermind started, it was kind of a mixed bag in there. Like right now it's like very much for a specific person at a certain level. Whereas in the beginning when it's like the only offer you have outside of one-on-one -on -one or whatever, you don't have as many offers, it can be like a mixed bag. I've even been in masterminds where, you know, not everybody's at the same income level. There's like beginners in there. There's people like in multi six figure, there's people in seven figures in there. And I think, for me, I just really wanted there to be just like clearer pre-qualification before somebody would come in there because when someone comes in there and they're not at the same level or similar level than somebody else, it's like, yeah, they might not be able to contribute to the conversations that are happening, right? The key to a mastermind is that you are masterminding together. You're not just like getting feedback from me, then it's just like a lower ticket of one-on-one. -on -one. like. And unfortunately, my first year, I wasn't emphasizing enough, like the power of having those conversations with the other people in the mastermind. And so that was a learning lesson for me of like, you know, I don't like how people would just plug in, ask their question and plug out. Like I wanted it to be more of a relationship building kind of space where you actually are like feeding off of each other and you are actually like masterminding based on like, what you've done or your own experience or if the client has more experience with something that you've never done before like i wanted it to be like that so that yeah like it truly felt like a home for you to settle in not just like oh, i don't really know these people but i'm just gonna get what i need from m like it's like you miss out on a ton of value because i know for me personally when i was in a year-long mastermind you know, there were times where like my mentor wasn't always there. She was running her own thing. Like, you know, and it's not that I wanted her to always be there, but like, even when I didn't need anything, quote unquote, like hearing the other people's questions and like what they needed and what they were working on, not only was motivating for me, but also was just like sometimes a reminder of like, oh, like I don't really work on that or I haven't like touched that yet in my business. Like, 
maybe I should, or she made me think about it differently. And then obviously hearing the back and forth between that person and my mentor was also really helpful. Like you get questions answered that you didn't know you had. Like you have conversations that you didn't know were available, right? If you only solely go in there with like, oh, I can't you know, quite afford one-on-one, so I'm just gonna go here, you miss out on like a huge part of the investment. And to this day, from being in a mastermind, I have best, best friends. I mean, you know, the girl in particular I'm thinking of, she lives here in Austin. And like, I just openly shared one day, oh, I live in Austin, Texas. And she was like, girl, like we need to meet up. And like, literally like, I'm like, where have you been my whole life? Like it was kind of one of those relationships. And she's like my best, best friend. Like I would say here to this day, like we are very close. Like I feel like, yes, I'm still getting to know her in a lot of ways, but we have grown really close really fast. I'm like a kid in kindergarten. When I grow close to them, I'm like, they're my best friend. So yeah, but anyway, that relationship wouldn't have happened if I had just plugged in that mastermind and plugged out. So that was really important to me that I want to make sure I cultivated that. I also think I just like, I really enjoy holding a space for a year where like, we don't just focus on the what and the how all the time. Because like when you come into my mastermind, you're pretty solid with the what and the how in order to like maintain where you're at, like the 20 to 30K mark. And yes, you don't know what the what and the how looks like for 50K plus months. And at the same time, it's way more about at that point who you get to be on the way to your next level, what you have to let go. Like scaling back like even the amount of fucks that you've been giving to like certain things in your business right like scaling back how much one-to-one time you're giving even like your group program clients and realizing like okay like i even need to scale back who i'm working with in close proximity or like tighten the pre-qualification process even more because i'm realizing like oh, like I don't really enjoy these conversations anymore. I don't enjoy working with clients that don't look at getting an ROI, look at commitment, look at mentorship the way that I do, or look at the value of mentorship the way that I do. This always comes up in the mastermind because now you have the breathing room to start thinking about these things. When you were just trying to get to 20 and 30K months, you are more so worried about like, what do I do? How do I do it? How do I get clients? And you are past that point. Like you have literally the financial security to like take a second and take a step back and be like, okay, what I've created is great, but like I want to have just a different type of client now. Okay, so what does that look like? I need to change my messaging. What does that look like? I need to build out more offers in my product suite that are more like hands off for these clients that I'm not feeling aligned with, but yes, I know I could still help, right? So like maybe coming out with a membership, like more micro offers. So I really thought about this client in detail. And obviously as I've opened up my product suite to like having revolutionize your revenue and having the empire, you know, now my mastermind doesn't have to be like everybody's at different levels. It's like, no, like, revolutionize is for the building and growing foundational stages. Like you are trying to get to consistent five figure months. The empowered CEO mastermind is 12 months only now. And this is definitely for the person who wants to get like past the 20 to 30 K mark. Like things are good. 
clients love you, sales are consistent, but you're kind of just like cruising in your business. And these different things are starting to come up for you. So I wasn't this clear on the vibe and who it was in the beginning because I didn't have any other offers to like separate one person from the next. So like the messaging just was a lot more like wide and general and like, you know, that's probably why I had to do so many sales calls and shit in order to fill the first round. But yeah, I feel like it's from my experience how I decided this. It's from like different people that have come in the mastermind. It's from different situations, conversations. I feel really drawn towards with different clients. Like, and just like saying like, what would be a hell yes for me? I love my mastermind. Do you write the questions you receive for creating content during your calls or you listen a second time the call? I know you use the calls for creating content. Not so much anymore, to be honest. Honestly, it's more Voxer than it is calls where like it's, you know, I will plug out a Voxer and literally like just write things down or bullet points. Sometimes though, like yesterday I was on a call and this girl was in the content to cash flow mini mind. She had a one-on-one content strategy session with me and she said something where I was like, yeah, like this is definitely a problem. Like I've heard this enough where I need to start saying it in my messaging. So that was really cool. And like sometimes it'll literally be like, I'm looking at the camera and I'm like writing it down without looking. Um, or I'll just quick jot it down after the call. But I don't listen to the call like a second time. Like no offense to my clients, but I don't do that. Yeah, Elodi, because like also you have to think to yourself if it was really that bomb.com, you would probably remember it and not have to like watch the call a second time. All right, guys. Well... I love you. This was great. Let's crush Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever you are doing this month. Bye.